listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Well, welcome everyone to this week's sermon discussion. Today we are discussing the fifth flavor of the nine flavors of the fruit of the Spirit, kindness. Uh, Already you're noticing, if you're watching this, that this looks a little bit different. Uh, We have rearranged the worship center, spread out a little bit, spread out the chairs, spread out the aisles. We're trying to get ready for when we will be able to be back together again in worship, which will be hopefully soon. We don't know the exact date yet. We're uh, still waiting, of course, for uh, guidelines and guidance from the governor and the Indiana back on track stage four, uh, whenever we get there, and we'll, we'll know more. But well, Tom, we're uh, sitting down on a Thursday afternoon to record this because uh, it takes us some time to edit out all of our mistakes and baubles on, uh, on Friday. And uh, we learned this last week about the disadvantage of recording on Thursday afternoon. Yep. I think before you or I or, or really anyone on our pastoral staff uh, had really become conscious of uh, the, the tension around George, George Floyd's death. Uh, we had already recorded the sermon, the music, the prayers, everything. But, you know, we were bundling it all together and sent it out. And then um, it really felt like our world erupted into chaos. Yeah, it did. And uh, I, I, I'm, boy, we, we got one, well, we got, you know, a lot of interaction with our people this last uh, week talking about the situation and wondering what we thought. And one particular story, of course, really struck, stuck with me, one of our uh, older congregants who was a 13-year-old. Uh, at Faith Church when Martin Luther King Jr. was shot. And he distinctly and specifically remembers that not a word was said at Faith Church on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. I was a senior in high school, and I'm sure I had the same experience at my rural Kansas church. Yeah. And uh, we inadvertently, um, though with responsibility for it, said nothing this last Sunday. We didn't cut in and, and add anything. And we don't want to do that again, of course, this week, uh, because this has been a very difficult couple of weeks, not just for us feeling outrage and sadness uh, at, at what we've seen, but for many of our brothers and sisters of color uh, who are feeling fear. Yeah. We're, I'll use a loaded term, we're privileged mm-hmm. to not have to be afraid. Yeah. when we see these kind of stories. But many of the people that we love don't have that privilege like we do. So we're sitting down on a Thursday. I, I say all that because we're, it's Thursday afternoon. We're going to record the discussion on kindness, which when we were putting together this sermon series, we didn't know it was going to happen during a pandemic. We did not know it was going to happen. Uh, patience, kindness, we were going to talk about those things in the context of the tension uh, that we're all feeling right now. And uh, I, I don't know if we would have chosen these passages otherwise. Or even if we stuck with them, uh, I'm sure you would have had different things to say last Sunday yes, if you'd yeah. been speaking Sunday instead of Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so we're putting kind of a heavy burden on you this week, asking you to talk about kindness um, in the context of what's been a hard week. I'm counting on you to help me. We'll get through it. <laughs> well, we're both here. <laughs> Speaking of kindness, I will start out by saying, uh, Tom, you're not, you, you have intimated to me that this particular medium is perhaps not one you're most comfortable presenting a sermon in. Yeah, well, I'll have a better idea in about a half hour because, yeah, I've never done it this way before. I, I'm really looking forward to this. So yeah. 
All right, let's jump in. A lot may happen between now, Thursday at 410, and when people watch this. Uh, so with that in mind, um, preach for today and preach for what may happen in the next couple of days as well. Okay. So, um, yes, where is kindness in a riot? Where is kindness in a pandemic? How does kindness intersect with justice? Jesus sometimes spoke in ways that weren't very kind. Woe to you, the Sadducees, you hypocrites. Right. Um, how are you to escape the sentence of hell? So that's pretty strong language. When I first thought about kindness, I mean, you, you guys handed me a softball. Yeah, right, kindness. Uh, yeah, everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows what kindness is. It's, it's a mother, a father saying, Johnny, be a nice boy. Susie, be kind, be good. And, and that fits the primary definition of kindness, of a good or benevolent nature or disposition. Uh, considerate, helpful, humane. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So uh, what more is there to say? Be kind, Joey. And uh, close in prayer. Would you close? Yeah. Would you lead us in <laughs> prayer as we close today? That's all we have to say. But I do have a few more things to say. So we'll save the prayer and, okay. until another end. So we're going to go a little deeper. I have two main ideas today with one key passage and some supporting texts to go with it. Uh, our primary text is Ephesians 4.32. And while Ephesians 4.32 does not say anything about marriage, that's the next chapter. Yet it's the primary application text that I give to couples I'm working with in premarital counseling, as I say to them, if you get this right, you'll do pretty well. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each... Tender-hearted. Do they ever interrupt you like I just did and say, like, we've been, you know, we've been dating for two years and I've been... Of course, we're tender-hearted and kind to one another, and we've been very good at masking all of our inadequacies and deficiencies in order to woo the other into this relationship. So <laughs> I, I my kindness is serving yeah. a purpose. I don't think anybody has interrupted me there because I'm old and they're young yeah. and they're intimidated Respect across the table, and, whatever, yeah. I don't know. But um, I, I, I want to look at, at, at kindness. Well, just let me finish the verse. Okay. All right. Since yeah, yeah. you fin- so rudely so, uh, interrupted Sorry, here. Ephesians 4.32 uh, is where we are. I, I've, in the context of, of, of that question, though, um, you and Jen have been married 15 years? Yeah, 15 last years month? last month. Yeah, yeah, okay. Does Jenna still need this verse? I'm sure you don't. But No, she, um, <laughs> she does pretty well. Linda and I have been married for 48 years, and we still need this verse, or at least... I need this verse. Now, and it was 48 Wednesday, right? Like 48 this yesterday. past Wednesday, yeah. Yesterday. So we got two years to go to get to 50. So let me finish the verse. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. And so I want to look at kindness in terms of how we relate to one another. But according to this verse, we shouldn't start there. I think we have to start with, as God in Christ has forgiven you. I can't even do the other part until I know how, as God in Christ has forgiven me. So there's, there's a connection then between our, our kindness to one another and God's kindness to us. Be kind as God in Christ yes. has been kind to you. Yes, there's a definite connection, and I, I think that'll become clear as, as we go through this. So I want to start, though, by looking at some definition 
of, of kindness. Um, and then I want to reflect on it in two categories. God's kindness to us, where Ephesians 4.32 ends, and then our kindness to one another, the earlier part of the Got verse. Got it. So, so exactly as that verse lays it out, yeah, that's how we'll yeah, follow it. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's go for it. First, uh, just a little on the definition of kindness. Now, we have generally a policy not to use Greek and Hebrew in sermons. That's to be left on the desk and not brought here. But I'm sitting across from a Dallas guy. So, you know, I got to kind of step up my game a little bit. So I'm actually going to use a little bit of Greek okay. and Hebrew right. today. And you can correct me when I get it wrong. But several Greek words are translated as kind. But the primary Greek word that's in this passage and in many other passages is Christos. So you remember that at home. Christos. Christos, or kind, which is kind or good. And Christates, which is goodness or kindness or friendliness. And then the, the verb, Christuomai, uh, to be kind or to show kindness. Okay. And you notice that I use both kind and good as possible translations for this word. Well, the translators really struggle and they disagree. So you get different translations using different words. Um, and especially when translating the Old Testament and talking about the goodness of God. But we'll start with the New Testament. Jesus used the term in Luke 5 in the parable of the wineskins for Christos wine. Okay, that means so it's kind. good wine. Oh, no, good wine. Yeah, it's good okay, wine. Good Not wine. kind wine, but good, good wine. wine. So okay. good is the right translation there. Yeah. Okay. And then in Luke 6, he, in, in teaching us about loving our enemies, Jesus says, the most high God is Christos to the ungrateful and evil. Mm. So good is maybe not a sufficient word there because it's not just about him being morally excellent, but morally excellent to someone. It almost moves into grace or undeserved kindness or undeserved favor or goodness. Like that, yeah, Uh, loving kindness. Yeah, right. God acts in, in good ways to the grateful and evil. So when it's translated goodness, it often has the flavor of moral excellence in and of itself innately, but when it's translated kindness, it's this same moral goodness uh, this moral excellence, but it's an action toward another. Um, the common, most common use has to do with, then with that innate character of God um, as a kind or benevolent being to those who are undeserving. Uh, and we'll pursue that in a moment, but it's also a character trait that is to be developing in a Christian. And of course, that's what Paul's talking about in the fruit of the Spirit, is to be developing in us. Uh, kindness, then, is an act of the will It's a choice. It's a decision to act in good ways toward another person. It's a choice that it has to be repeated over and over and over again. The Spirit grows in us, not just the ability to do good or kind things, but the desire to be kind. Um, And actually, kindness, I mean, if you're growing as a Christian, kindness ought to become second nature. I mean, it'll just be who you are, but under stress at times you'll blow it. And so you have to keep learning kindness. So is it fair to say that um, goodness is what... So in the way we use the English words, right? Of course, we could talk about the way that the Greek words are used and how they overlap and all of that. But the way we use the English words, maybe goodness is who God is and kindness is what God is or who God is to me. Mm-hmm. How he yeah, acts towards me. Yeah, I like me. that. That's he a good distinction. He is kind towards me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
It, 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 of course, is one of the nine words of the uh, fruit of the Spirit, which reflect the character of God. And, and we've looked at love, joy, uh, uh, peace, uh, patience, and now kindness. It's the middle of the nine. Is, is this the pinnacle? We're at the top of the mountain uh, well, and everything is just downhill Probably from here. not, but, oh. but I like it's my word, so yes. Um, and then that's followed by goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and sometimes Christos is translated gentleness. So that gets even more confusing. And so in almost all of Paul's letters, he, he touches on this. He mentions these evidences of life in the Spirit. He just doesn't call them spiritual fruit, but he, but he still covers them using different metaphors. And I'd like to mention just a couple if I could, because 1 Corinthians 13, most people know it's the love, love chapter. Yeah, Jeff and, preached on it a couple weeks and ago. And it's, it's like the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then it's the umbrella term. Uh, we're going to find another text that I think confirms that. It's kind of the umbrella term. All these things are reflections or aspects uh, or a flowing out of what genuine love is in all of its, uh, in, in, in all of its aspects. And, and in that chapter, it defines love as patient, kind, rejoicing, and truth and faith. So there's four of the fruit, four of the, the, uh, the flavors. Sorry, five I got of that the nine wrong. Flavors yeah. Are, yeah, five of the nine flavors are there. And Second Corinthians: patience, kindness, love, joy. Colossians: totally different metaphor. He really does the same thing he does in Galatians in terms of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Except he says it's like getting dressed or getting undressed first. You need to put oh, this off, is the take off, take off, off that old filthy clothing of the works of the flesh and put on then, he says, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. And above all these, oh, there's that umbrella. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Put on love. Mm-hmm. And, and then, oh, and let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts and, and be thankful. So there's there's plenty. Yeah. So there's, there's more than there. nine flavors here. Hmm. And that that in the Colossians passage too is uh, what Paul is very consistent, of course, across all of his letters that there's this character, the, the character traits of God that are to be reflected in our own lives. But it's not passive that we sit back and wait for the Spirit to just do it in us. Absolutely. There is the responsible participation. We've kept using that phrase yeah. of us cooperating with God and the work of the Spirit. In otherwise, Paul wouldn't command us put on clothe yourselves with compassionate hearts. Yeah, there's all kindness. kinds of descriptors that come together and we are told to do it. Yeah. This is action, for Grow sure. Grow in these virtues, yeah. this fruit. Yeah, yeah. so you're saying there's a lot of overlap here. It's it's like somebody used this uh, in the pastor's meeting. It's like, okay. I like, think it was you. Go ahead. <laughs> I was trying to be humble. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> it's not on the nine list. It's Let's not just... one of the nine, is it? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, we were talking and I said, and <laughs> it's kind of like, ta- my, my wife's an amazing cook and chef. And when she tastes something like, I'm like, oh, this tastes like meat or I'm sensing that it's <laughs> hot. Right. And she goes, hmm, okay, there's some dill in this and a little bit of cumin maybe and your favorite cilantro in there (laughs) and (laughs) but she can she can taste the nuances between different flavors and i'm like salty sweet umami like i have a a very poor vocabulary for uh 
aesthetic goodness. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like Paul has a very rich vocabulary for moral goodness. Yeah. And is yeah. able to give us all these nuanced flavors that we otherwise maybe wouldn't pick up or be able to define. Yeah, I think that is exactly what, as we really become... Um, filled with the overflowing of the fruit of the Spirit coming out of our lives, then they, they do mix together in, in, in a beautiful, beautiful blend. It's not like I'm going to be this today and this tomorrow. Yeah, self-controlled today uh, and joyful yeah, tomorrow yeah, the, and the, peaceful the, the next day. The fruit of the it's... day or the flavor of the day. No, it all, it all comes uh, together. Um, so I hope that gives us an idea of what kindness is. And, and so let's uh, go on because I think better than definitions... Um, are examples. Yeah. And, and in these examples, though, I want people to see that definition that kindness is God's goodness towards us. Right. It's, it's his moral excellence yeah. in action yeah. toward us. And that is our first example, yeah. God's kindness to us. I mean, our example today is God. And um, this was not solidly established in my mind when I first started thinking about this. I mean, I read the Old Testament every year, but I, I had never thought about the term kindness being a primary descriptor here. And so I start with the Old Testament, and, and written in Hebrew, but translated into what we call the Septuagint. Uh, and it, it's interesting to see Old Testament words uh, translated into the Greek language, quoted and used in the New Testament, and, and a lot of the early Christians, they didn't know Old Testament Hebrew. Uh, they, they knew the Old Testament in the Greek language. And the Hebrew word tov, meaning good, is often translated with the Greek word krestos. So there's our, there's our key word of yeah. kindness in the New Testament. So tov must have that same breadth of use, like because Genesis 1, and God saw everything he had created, and behold, it was very... Tove, mm-hmm. it was good. Yeah. He didn't mean kind, but he true. made a kind yeah. earth, he made yeah. a good earth. So mm-hmm. Tove, I guess, has both or all of those. Uh, it can be good as in like fitted, fitting, mm-hmm. or it can be beautiful, or yeah. it can be good towards, it yeah. can be kind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Language just works that way. I love and so language. that's why context is so, it's frustrating at times, but it's beautiful uh, the more you, you, you study it through. Um, so there's something about the word uh, Christos that, that, that Greek translators of the Old Testament thought best captured God's essence. Yeah. Versus the other Greek words for like good yeah. or beautiful. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's found most often, I think, in the Psalms where uh, it says God's love for us is the source of God's kindness, God's character, his, his attributes, the essence of who God is in his character. Out of that flows kindness and grace uh, toward us. Uh, just one example, Psalm 107, verse 1, uh, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is Christos. He is good. He is good. He is kind. The corresponding Greek word for mm-hmm. kindness, for his steadfast love endures Forever, And that concept of God's kindness flowing from his love flows right into the New Testament as the foundation for salvation. And then we bring it into the New Testament, and we get a confirmation of this in 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3, which in some sense is a parallel to, to Galatians 5, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit text, as he says, put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, concepts that Paul called the works of the flesh. Uh-huh. And like in Colossians, put off, put away, yeah. take off. Yeah. Yeah. Same, combines the two. 
like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual work milk that by it you may grow up into salvation and that would be comparable then to Paul's growing in spiritual fruit or producing spiritual fruit if and here's the here's the reason I've gone to this text now if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is Christos and it's translated good in most cases. Because we don't taste kindness. Right. Uh, well, the New American Standard Bible does say, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So they, they do use the word uh, kindness there. So the, the kindness of God is foundational to the saving grace of the gospel. And uh, uh, like the text that I believe was read earlier in the service today, uh, Titus 3, 4 to 7, one of my favorite summaries of the gospel. Uh, but when the Christos, uh, Christates is the form there. When the Christates, the goodness and loving kindness, and that is the idea of love for humanity, it's, it's more more uh, uh, accurately the uh, the word philanthropia. Yeah, uh, yeah. Philanthropy, so kindness to others. Uh, yeah. So when you give, you're being kind to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, of God, our Savior appeared. He saved us. Uh, so the saving follows that kindness that appears, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured on us richly in or through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. All of that flows out of the Christos of, of God toward us. It's, it's an amazing thing. The, the, the kindness of God that is at the core of his being is the foundation for his mercy, his grace, the fact that there's no works role for us in it, cleansing from sin, it's, it's, it's washing, the new birth, regeneration, justification by faith, the hope of eternal life. It all comes out of mm-hmm. kindness of God. Well, and the, it seems to me then that extends the definition of kindness one more step for us. We've said kindness is moral excellence in action towards another, mm-hmm. but in this context, it's context is in action towards the undeserving. Yeah, absolutely. We did not deserve mercy. Yeah. I mean, words yeah. like mercy and grace, if we deserved it, yeah. kindness, it, those wouldn't be used. Right. It's undeserved yeah. action of God toward us. So it blends in with, with, with grace again. I was looking for songs to reflect the kindness of God that reflect or express this. And I came across an old hymn by John Milton. Uh, yeah, Paradise, Paradise Lost, Lost yeah. Paradise Regained. Yeah. Uh, when he was 15 years old, how many hymns did you write when you were 15 that we're singing today? Uh, um, <laughs> I haven't seen none it. None fit for church. <laughs> yeah, okay. 15 years old in 1623, and uh, he wrote eight verses to this hymn. I'm not going to quote them all. I'm just going to quote three of them. And the first and the eighth are the, are the same. And so we're going to have a, a sandwich here. Okay. And I want you to notice what's, what's in, the, in the middle of this sandwich and, and what, what surrounds it. Um, Let us with gladsome mind praise the Lord, for he is kind. kind. Okay. For his mercy shall endure ever faithful, ever sure. Hmm. Sounds like the psalm that you quoted earlier. The mid, yeah. The middle verse, verse 4, he hath with a piteous eye. That is compassion. That's not a word we would use today I don't today know many much. 15-year-olds that can spell piteous, <laughs> much less use it correctly. Well, they could 300 years ago, <laughs> yeah. 400 years ago almost. Well, the, yeah, so. he did sort of invent the English language. Yeah, so. so a piteous eye, compassionate eye, looked upon our misery, our helplessness and our sin. 
For his mercy shall endure ever faithful, ever sure. And then he wraps the whole, he puts the, the, the top, puts the sandwich together by saying, let us with gladsome mind praise the Lord for he is kind. For his mercy shall endure ever faithful, ever sure. I love that. That I, I'm, I don't know if we sing it anymore. It is in our hymn book. But the emphasis here is that this flavor of kindness in the fruit of the Spirit originates with God in His kindness toward us, His saving mercy toward us in the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ, in the suffering and death of Jesus to take our sins, the application of that in forgiveness and, and, and eternal life, new birth, future resurrection, and ultimately all the fruit of the Spirit. The rest of the fruit of the Spirit comes from that kindness as well. Otherwise, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have it. None of that would be ours without the kindness of God. We're... So without, without God's, uh, his goodness moving toward us and that movement we describe with the word kindness to us undeserving of it, there would be no corresponding movement ourselves right. towards Absolutely. others. Yeah in kindness who don't deserve it. Anything good in you comes from God's gracious work in you and his gifts to you. Otherwise, sorry, buddy, there wouldn't be any good coming Oh, don't apologize to me. Apologize to my parents. I mean, they're the ones who raised me. That is is right. I don't know if they want to hear, there's nothing good in me. Yeah. Well, shall we go to the second category? Yes, let's do it. Our kindness to others um, in the context of Mm -hmm. life and the Spirit, the character of God developing in us now by the work of the Holy Spirit, making us into the likeness of Jesus. And again, so much of the New Testament is all about the work of the Spirit, God's faithfulness, and moving us more and more into the likeness of Christ. Yeah, transformed from Um, one degree of glory to the next. Yes, and a great application text for that, Ephesians 4. Okay, so we're back so to let's Ephesians, go back to Ephesians where you started. 4, 25 to 32 okay. is the larger context. I lost and it. I want to just kind of move down that context into the last verse where we started. But uh, Ephesians, um, uh, Paul again picks different imagery or different illustrations or, 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 or pictures. He has the imagery of darkness and light in Ephesians. Uh, and he applies it very practically to... A lot of things. I won't touch them all, but our emotions, attitudes, speech, interactions with each other in the church. I mean, that's where it starts. If we can't interact well with each other, how can we possibly interact in any decent way with the culture around us? Which we're ambassadors to, so we need to get that right. But we have to get it right for each other. Uh, He contrasts the wrong response with the right response. So you still have that works of the flesh, uh, fruit of the Spirit uh, concept. Uh, verse 25, for example, put away falsehood, speak the truth. Take one off, put the other on. Uh, verse 26 is an unusual one. Be angry and do not sin. So he's telling us that it's possible, in fact, necessary to be angry at times without sin. Now, I'm just thinking about this Never thought of this verse in this context before, but about our current situation in America. And I would say if there is ever a righteous anger, indeed righteous anger fits with the injustices that take place toward other people, particularly black Americans, that has been the history of our, of our nation. Um, it does say be angry. 
and we have so many examples of unrighteous anger, certainly mm-hmm. in the Bible oh. and in my life oh, and in mine. as well. Absolutely, yeah. But but there is um, so much righteous anger in Jesus and in the prophets. And in God the Father uh, himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, of course, there's a sense in which he's the only just one who can really respond to injustice uh, with a full sense of how of how, how bad and how evil it is. But um, uh, anger's a right response to injustice, and yet it goes on to say, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And so I, I use this very cautiously and carefully, but I think any time there is even righteous anger, um, this text is saying there needs to be a curfew on it. That, that uh, doesn't say specifically after dark, but but you sort of have that experience as as those with a righteous cause that are that are making a right statement to the culture. Um, I think many of them probably go home, and then things get more out of control, where where anger goes beyond where it should go. Um, but that doesn't mean the anger itself is wrong. It's just a it's it's a dangerous thing to hold in our hands and has to be handled with great care. And as Christians, uh, to be sure that that um, that we're examining ourselves, our hearts. Is it just our indignity about something we don't like, or is it truly being disturbed deeply within by that which is unrighteous in society and displeasing to God ultimately? So. Uh, then let's move on. Then a warning about speech, uh, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, I'll just say to you, uh, after the message today, go on and read chapter 5. It really develops that even more in terms of, of corrupt speech. What I What I love about this passage, and I, I think it's the way you apply it in marriage is, is perfect because marriage, like the church, is the creation of a new countercultural unit yeah. that does not live the way the rest of the world yeah. lives. Mm-hmm. And, and what Paul is calling the church to here, saying in our relationships as brothers and sisters who have all been redeemed by the same blood of Christ, mm-hmm. who have all been, well, he's getting there, forgiven as, as Jesus. You know, we've all been forgiven by Jesus. Like this yeah. is the way we, we form a new society mm-hmm. that, that we call the church. Yeah, yeah. And then the list in verse 31 of let bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and slander be put away from you. Uh, another reference to the works of the flesh. Well, then we come to verse 32. Yes. We're back verse. home. We're very, all right, we're back. I see this as a kind of summation and response to what he's just written. That, that's hard to, hard to prove because at what point are you saying, well, this is the gist of it because all these other things are... But, but it seems like it feeds toward this as a, an important summation. We see above it the distortion of truth and anger and corrupting talk and and bitterness of others. And, of course, the default is to think my anger is righteous and you're the problem. And so that gets us all messed up. Especially when I think my anger is righteous and you're the problem. problem. Yeah. And and it's like Paul anticipates that we might say that about each other, that self-righteous, self-defensive uh, self-justifying posture that I'm nurturing inside my heart that you might be nurturing inside your heart. And so he says then, when mom would get onto us for fighting as little kids and she'd say, be kind and let's pray. Oh, mom, don't go there. That's what Paul does. 
He goes where mom went. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Wow. Man, you know, it, it strikes me that I think this verse, um, or maybe this whole passage, should be yeah. read in reverse. Yep. Because um, like you said, we have to start where, uh, at where this verse ends, as God in Christ forgave you. So, so if we think about that, we think about our salvation, Jesus forgave me when I didn't deserve it. It's like, oh, I should probably forgive others. And there's plenty of, of course, teaching to back that up in, yeah. in the New Testament. And then it's like, oh, but I probably shouldn't just, like, Jesus didn't just, God didn't just forgive me in Jesus. He was also tenderhearted, open-hearted to me in Jesus. I should probably be open-hearted to other people. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you keep working backwards. It's like, okay, God was kind to me in Christ. He moved towards me in benevolent action. Yeah. I should move towards others. I, if I've softened my heart to them and then yeah. move towards others in benevolent action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even, I know I said should, I should do this, I should do this. Um, but it's, it's recognizing how we've been forgiven that even uh, compels us or motivates us to or makes us want to. It's like, if I've been given this incredible gift, how can I not? I'm just overwhelmed by the beauty of this gift. How can I not share that beauty with someone yeah. else? Yeah, it, it, he, he's giving some depth to, to what it means to be kind that from my opening comments that says... When you picked on all the Johnnies and Susies out there. That's right. And said, Johnny and Susie kind. don't have a chance. I'm sorry, Johnny and Susie. But it's, it's, it's more than telling a four-year-old, stop hitting your sister, be kind. Right. And, right. and As I if think, kindness were simply the it, absence of antagonism. Yeah. It has to do with the core of the heart, of tenderheartedness. Um, the NIV says compassionate. Uh, I, I love this word. Um, uh, it, it, most, it, it most literally would be translated good intestines. That, that would be an okay. accurate translation for it. Um, Hippocrates, the physician from whom we get the Hippocratic Oath that yeah. physicians yeah. used to take at least, uh, he used this word for the healthy function of the intestines. Okay. The word that okay. Paul picks here. And this is what our GI docs are concerned with. Um, what is our emotional and spiritual GI health? Okay, so gut it's, check here. It's a gut check. <laughs> it is a gut check. Uh, it, it's, it's down here in the gut, and we know that. We say heart often when gut is a more, a more helpful, you feel it down more there. Well, we talk about uh, a gut reaction more than a heart reaction. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, attitudes of, of uh, uh, true, true compassion is having attitudes of kindness and, and well-being uh, so that the way you think uh, about others, the way you speak to others, isn't from an anger that gets you're upset from which that anger is coming and you're getting them all upset and you both have bad intestines as a result, not, not good intestines. So kindness is good gut health. Yeah, yeah it is. Okay. Uh, rather, bless them by assuming the best, uh, listening well, speaking with kindness um, in such a way that, that you come from health and give health uh, to them. And it comes right back to where we started, the kindness of God that leads to our salvation. And so just to come back to it, if you don't get anything else out of this sermon, I'm just saying, church, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Which means we will never be able to be kind or ten, we will only be able to be kind and tenderhearted to other people 
as we are aware of the kindness and tender heart and forgiveness of God. Absolutely. Well, um, that's all I have to say about kindness. But we acknowledge that we're in an unusual time. In some ways, it's an ongoing tension of hundreds of years. But it's certainly uh, now on the surface more than it has been for the last few years, certainly. Maybe more than in my lifetime, I'm not sure. But... Um, where do we go with this in regard to the, to the current crisis? Um, uh, not a judgment of what others are doing. That's not what I'm talking about. We can shout at the TV, whatever, or whichever side of things we think we ought to be on. But what about us? How do we respond? How does kindness fit into our attitudes and expressions in the current situation. Can, can you share some of your heart on that? Or, or if, if you had been speaking live last Sunday, what would you have said? Oh, yeah, last week, of course, I preached on patience, um, and I defined it as the insertion of active time between a desire and the fulfillment of that desire. Um, and in that time, we're supposed to examine our desires. Are they just? Are they right? Are our means for achieving that desire, that fulfillment, is it right and just? Um, and the timing. Is the timing, um, am I asking for something that will only ever be fully realized in the new heavens and the new earth? And with this issue, certainly perfect reconciliation will not be fully realized until the new heavens and the new earth. But on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Um, there has been too much time. Yeah. Between the desire for justice and its fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the issue even of patience that Martin Luther King addressed when he was in a Birmingham jail 55 years ago. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly year of that one. But an amazing letter that he wrote from a Birmingham jail that addressed white clergy yeah, like you and I. Who said they were on his side, but were calling for patience. You have to be patient, Dr. King. And that is an outstanding answer to that painful question that I think made anybody who read it honestly hang their head Yeah, with some embarrassment. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, too, about kindness. It's possible to walk away from this sermon thinking those protesters need to be kind. Yeah. And I think if we're demanding kindness, we're not practicing kindness. That's probably an important thing to remember in uh, this uh, whole conversation. That's a great statement. I heard you say that once before, and, and I'm, I'm glad you're saying it now on, uh, on camera. Say it again. If, if, if we are demanding kindness, we are yeah. not practicing kindness. Yeah. And I, I, right now, I think our role as white pastors, leaders, uh, church members is um, think about how we've been forgiven and be open. Well, I should say, think about how we're forget- we've been forgiven, lament the necessity of that forgiveness toward us, our own sin, and be open to being confronted with we may be more sinful than we're aware. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then forgive as we've been forgiven. Mm -hmm. And you threw out a lot of Greek and Hebrew, 
and backgrounds of the words. And the, it strikes me that there is such a close parallel in English between the words kindness and kindred, mm, yeah. or kin, mm-hmm. family, yeah. belonging, clan, right? These, these words, ha- they share a similar root that to treat someone kindly is to treat them like family, like yeah. they are part of you, yeah. like you are less mm-hmm. without them. Yeah. Um, two thoughts. One, it, it strikes me, and I'm forgetting the poet, uh, but it's the famous line, you know, for whom the bell, don't ask not for whom the bell tolls, right? He says, no man is an island. That John Donne. Uh, yeah, John Donne. <clears throat> so he says, no man is an island um, because we are all this, uh, whenever, uh, whenever Britain loses any, any dirt, mm-hmm. the, the, the island is smaller. We all lose. Uh, what so diminishes says, you diminishes me. Exactly. He says, don't, so he does, don't ask for whom the bell tolls. The funeral bell, the church yeah. bell tolling a funeral. Yeah. Don't ask, well, uh, who's the funeral for? It tolls for you. Yeah. It's your funeral. You yeah. are less when your kin are hurt, are, yeah. are damaged, are, are oppressed, are mm-hmm. defeated, are killed, are, are whatever. Um, this, I'm speaking as a, uh, a white pastor who should probably be using the hashtag woke up late, hmm. uh, having grown up in a Midwest farm community. Um, yeah, as I did. Yeah, yeah. with uh, very little um, interracial, intercultural dialogue. I mean, for me, white culture just is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not a culture. It's mm-hmm. just the way things are and everything else is judged in relationship to that. And yeah. the process of sort of becoming um, awake to the fact that oh, no, I have a culture. And also life for me is simply because of my skin color and where I grew up and the advantages I had, which are great. I love them. doesn't make um, things necessarily easy, but it's a whole lot easier for me than it is for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, Until we recognize that our fellow human beings with different skin tones are our kin. Mm-hmm. True kindness will be impossible. Yeah. Joey, thanks for the interaction and support um, in, in discussing this. And um, uh, I, I just, my prayer, and I want you to pray it, Ben, or, and add I'll to do it, it as you wish, but that there will be a new awareness in our minds and hearts mm-hmm. of the kindness of God that is behind every aspect of the salvation that we so richly enjoy. And as you were speaking a moment ago, that the kindness of God surely makes it impossible for us to say, I will be kind when you're kind to me. And that's not the way you worded it a while ago. Mm. Um, Kindness is not contingent. (laughs) Kindness is not contingent on me being kind to you. Uh, that clearly comes out of what we said about what the kindness of God is that's the foundation for our salvation. Absolutely. Yeah, let's pray. Oh, Father, you have adopted us as children, as heirs because of the blood of our brother, Jesus Christ. You have literally made us kin. We are now kindred. We are part of your family. 
as we have thought about this word kindness, this concept of kindness, and, and this character trait that the Spirit grows in us, uh, rooted in your, your goodness, not in, in theory, but in concrete, uh, in, in concrete movement toward us, your goodness towards us, becoming uh, that thing we call kindness, um, treating us like family, treating us as we are, those adopted sons and daughters of God. Um, I pray that you would transform us to be kind, to demonstrate undeserved kindness to those around us. Not so that we can sit up and say, oh, look at us. We're, uh, we're such kind and compassionate, loving people. We're nice even to people who aren't nice to us. But know that your movement toward us in Christ and sacrificial love for us in Jesus would transform us to want to sacrifice for others to pay the high and heavy cost of kindness. Knock us off of our high horses, Lord. Take us down a few notches. Shut us up. Help us to listen to the voices of those who are crying out for a little bit of kindness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.